0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Explain It To Me Like I'm a 10-year-old. Today, I am very lucky to have Mayor Pat Burt of Palo Alto with me. Palo Alto, California is an incredible city in the heart of Silicon Valley. It's home to Stanford University and countless tech companies. I was lucky enough to have the chance to meet Mayor Burt, and I couldn't pass up the chance to interview him. Mayor Burt has served as on the Palo Alto City Council for over a decade and has been elected mayor three times in 2010, 2016, and most recently, 2021. And prior to his public service, he was the CEO of Vascular Access Technologies. I am so excited for our interview today. Hi, Mayor Burt. How are you doing?
1: Good, Charlie. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so excited. So to get right into it, what do you think are the biggest issues facing the residents of Palo Alto today?
1: Well, I, I think the two biggest ones right now are recovery from the pandemic and all the economic recovery, and then our housing issues. But I would say a very close third is climate protection. It's become an even greater focus to the city in the last two years.
0: Well, what are the um, main main problems with with housing in Palo Alto?
1: Well, it's just a very expensive city because there's so much demand for housing and we have frankly so many high income households and workers in Silicon Valley from the success of the tech companies we have here that it drives up the housing prices and we've had a lot more jobs created in the last decades than housing created.
0: Ah, what are some of the things the council's doing to address that?
1: Well, we changed the zoning. We've increased the zoning so that people can, or developers can build higher density housing. We really don't have land to build a lot more single family homes, almost no, none of them. And if we build more single family homes, it's taken up the land that otherwise could be for multi-story housing. And so uh, we've increased the what's called the density that's allowed and the floor area that's allowed of housing development through much of the city. The other thing that I would add is that much of the housing that's needed is for moderate and low income people. And that housing today has to have subsidies for it. So government and philanthropies donate additional money to do that. And we've been raising additional funds to be able to increase the amount of affordable housing in our community.
0: Well, I'd love to talk a bit about what it's like to being a mayor. You know, what what are the main responsibilities of a mayor?
1: Well, in our city, we have both the city council that's elected and the council each year elects a new mayor. And then we have the city manager who really runs all of the day-to-day operations of the city. So the mayor is the leader of the council and not only is responsible for managing the city council meetings, but for appointing council members to various critical committees, because much of the work of the council is done in smaller committees and regional committees. and, And then represents, the mayor represents the city in a whole series of official functions. Lastly, the community really looks to the mayor to be the voice of their elected representatives. And so the, the mayor is responsible for uh, being that voice and representing the other members of the council.
0: What's the process of getting things done and, and passing legislation as a council?
1: Well, there's really kind of two approaches. One is the the matters that come to the council through our boards and commissions and the normal matters that come forward every year before the council of the budget of of issues on our housing plan, our transportation plan, overseeing all of our own utilities. And then the other part is when council members want to initiate legislation, they want to start essentially something like on the federal level, starting a bill. And we'll have colleagues' memos that are the way that we begin that process. And if a majority of the council says, yes, we want to pursue that more, then it begins a legislative process, which might mean that it goes to committees that the council appoints, like the Planning Commission or the Parks Commission or the Human Relations Commission. And then it returns to the council for the council to act on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to hear a bit about your story. What what made you want to become a city councilman in Palo Alto?
1: You know, I was raised in a family of teachers, and my mother was very active politically, uh, going back to working on John Kennedy's first campaign. And um, I had the pleasure to very briefly meet him at San Francisco Airport. And so she had me active in... Uh, political campaigns for, from the time I was oh, six or seven years old. And as I became an adult, um, we were in business and, and in manufacturing. And a lot of what was really about politics is public policy. That's why people should be in politics, is because they want to help their community or their state or their federal government make better uh, decisions and and help the people that they serve. And so in business, I got very involved with environmental policy and spent about 30 years involved with uh, doing environmental policy and having our company become a model of what's called sustainable manufacturing, almost zero pollution in manufacturing. And then as we started having kids, we realized that. Um, rather than traveling so much in this environmental policy area, it would be nice to really start being involved in local issues. And um, at that time, there was a big um, project that was called the SOFA Plan. So just south of University Avenue, um, what was Palo Alto Medical Foundation was leaving that area. And we did a big redevelopment and created a city park and affordable housing and historic preservation and childcare, all in one package. And that began my process in, uh, local, uh, uh, public service.
0: Eventually you decided to actually, you know, go for it and, and run as a candidate. What were the challenges of, of running for city council as a first time candidate?
1: Well, uh, first I, I, needed to know the issues well. Unfortunately, fortunately, I had served nine years on the Planning and Transportation Commission, so I knew those issues very well. But uh, really have to become informed on a range of things, from the budget to utilities to transportation, environmental issues, housing, because those are the things that different members of the community really want their council members to make good decisions on. And then there's actually a process of needing to, bring together a campaign committee, which in Palo Alto is typically a bunch of volunteers who are willing to spend their time helping a candidate get elected. And I was really fortunate to have some great people who helped me a lot. And they helped on the campaign, on on really on the issues, um, and uh, even fundraising that has to be done because uh, there's a lot of expenses for even a local campaign.
0: like like, I'm curious like why why then why did you think that you were needed on the
1: council well I had been interested in eventually serving on the council for a long while really it it took a, a time in my life where our kids were getting old enough that um I could spend the time on it and our business was in a position that uh I could because it's very time consuming it may be 30 hours a week uh, as a council member, depending on how involved different members are. And so that's a big commitment for the family and for um, someone who's still working. And what I had seen was there were really, at that time, uh, the city finances, our budget, our the dollars that we have to spend on all the programs that the community values so much from libraries and parks to paving streets and everything else. um, Those finances were not in good shape and there needed to be some real reforms if we were going to be able to continue to provide the services we always had. That was one of the biggest reasons I uh, joined the council. The another big one was because um, of the increased importance, even at that time, in 2007 of addressing climate change. And that's something I've been passionate about um, and uh, was fortunate to be able to work on the real great progress that previous council members had already made on renewable energy supplies for Palo Alto.
0: You you definitely had some really great reasons for why you wanted to be on the council, but what were your strategies to actually go through with that and, and win the election?
1: Well, part of it was the groundwork of actually having been active in the community before running for council. So having enough people who were familiar with my work or knew me, uh, and particularly people who um, have real credibility with, with the voters, not everybody in the community re- able to have the time or the interest to be real active in following all community affairs, but they generally know certain community leaders who they they uh, trust um, their opinions. And so it's important uh, to have the support and endorsements of a lot of community leaders, because that's what people turn to. And, and um, really, a lot of the rest was preparation of, of knowing the issues and being able to uh, explain your positions in a clear and complete way if the newspapers and the other candidates' forums, ask the candidates' important questions to really be able to answer them in a meaningful way. So those are a lot of the things, along with just a lot of uh, grassroots efforts of people who uh, help put out long signs and knock on doors and uh, help uh, create the, the campaign literature that's needed. So having great supporters is really important.
0: Oh yeah, c- completely. And now I'd really love to get into to Palo Alto. You know, you've you've been on the council for a, a long time and and you know, going forward, what's your vision for Palo Alto over the next decade?
1: Well, the overriding vision that guides me is what is sustainable. And sustainable means that that we would have for future generations similar environmental quality economic opportunities and social equity for future generations to the the opportunities that we have today. So then that becomes this complicated question of what does that mean exactly? And it's not something that is black and white that you can say, well, this is exactly what's sustainable and this isn't. It's really, though, a set of guiding principles where you look at issues and really ask yourselves, well, what will that mean in 10 and 20 years? Uh, if, we, if we say that we're going to have a massive amount of office growth, well, where are people going to live? Where will the traffic go? Where will the parks and libraries come from? How will we fund all those things? And so that's the, the set of guiding principles that, that um, I use as a filter when trying to decide uh, what actions the city should take.
0: Yeah, and, and let's talk about today and right, right now. What, what objectives and projects are you and the council working on to work toward that vision of sustainability?
1: Well, first is we're rebuilding our finances, and that's coming along well. We got hit very hard by the COVID pandemic and kind of all the economic shutdown that happened there. Uh, But we're just about at the point of rebuilding all of our services so libraries are open all the hours so that we have the fire and the police departments that are fully staffed and so that we can keep our parks maintained and all the other things that go along with it. Second, on the housing, we've been really working to identify not only future housing sites for what's called market rate housing, which means it's charged at whatever the uh, the market will will pay for it, but how do we really uh, fund and create affordable housing for all the people who are uh, more modest income, who work in the stores, who are teachers, who work for the city uh, in our libraries and and in our electricity department and all the different areas, who are nurses and healthcare, and we have now a whole group of affordable housing projects that are in progress. And we're really enthused about that. The last part is on the environment. And as I think you know, I've been very active in Palo Alto's leading climate protection program. And so we have 100% renewable electricity uh, and we have now we're working to then transform our transportation and our buildings to being electrified so that they'll be all run off of clean, renewable electricity that doesn't generate uh, greenhouse gases. It's a big challenge. It's complicated. But Palo Alto, I think, is leading on it. And we're figuring out how to do that because nobody's really done that before. And everybody's having to try to reinvent the wheel, all the different cities and state governments. And uh, so that's a big focus that we're we're a real challenging one, but one that uh, I think is both critical and one that I'm I'm hopeful about.
0: Palo Alto is really leading the way in in climate and and obviously local governments are going to have a really big role of in responsibility to fight climate change. I mean, could you go into more detail about Palo Alto's climate plan?
1: Yeah. So like you say, uh, cities can have a really important role because they can initiate a start new programs and do experiments and prove them out and then ramp them up uh, pretty quickly so that then the states and the federal government can use them as to copy or at least to use to be models for all these other cities that aren't as far along as Menlo Park or Palo Alto is. Um, And so in our climate plan, as I I mentioned, we own our own utilities, all our own electricity and uh, gas and water um, and wastewater. And so that lets us be kind of in control of our decisions. And a number of years ago, we started 20 years ago, started a program to make our electricity system have a higher percentage of what's called renewable electricity, which is uh, wind power and solar power and geothermal. And so we got ahead of the state on that and other cities, and we kept building off of that. And we did it in smart ways. So the cost of our electricity is actually 40 percent below neighboring communities that rely on PG&E. And so we've had 100 percent carbon-neutral electricity at 40% cheaper costs, which is a big achievement. And then the next big part of that, once we had that achieved in 2016, is how do we make our transportation, mostly our cars, be clean? And how do we have our buildings be clean uh, energy? uh, Because the buildings use a combination of electricity and natural gas, and what we need to do is transition, move away from natural gas in our heating and cooking to electricity. And that's the more complicated one we're struggling with right now. But we just launched a major program that is going to make it so that people can first change their hot water heaters to what are called heat pumps. They're really exciting. Uh, They're much more energy efficient. They're three times more energy efficient than normal electricity. And, uh, and still, they're more energy efficient than natural gas. And we think we can do that in a way that is going to be pretty easy on folks. And it won't cost them a lot of money to do it. And over the life of the unit, it'll actually save them money.
0: Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. And and Palo Alto seems to be making a lot of progress in, in really great pretty unified shape, but we see a lot of polarization in national politics, a lot of disagreement. Where do you see in in Palo Alto the most debate or controversy?
1: Um, I think the most debate has been about uh, how much housing we could build and how much office space we should build. And uh, we've had different viewpoints where people, some people thought we should just build just unrestrained office and then try to build enough housing to keep up with that. There are other people in the community who really didn't want to see much change at all. Didn't want new development of office or housing. (laughs) Then there are some of us who thought that um, we should concentrate on more housing and slow down the rate of office growth. So those two things get back into better balance And that's where I stand, is uh, supporting the housing growth, particularly affordable housing and a a slowdown of the office, which we've already achieved over the last seven years. Um, But that's what's really divided our community to a great degree. We've had people on those two extremes and then a lot of people in the community who wanted a more balanced approach and I think we're starting to get to more agreement. uh, And that's a good thing. On the bigger political issues that affect the nation. um, Fortunately, Palo Alto is a pretty uh, politically progressive community where we have fairly, most people have fairly liberal values, uh, certainly fairly liberal social values. We may differ on um, on uh, some of that. And uh, and then we, you know, we have people who have different attitudes on uh, how uh, fiscally liberal or conservative that, that means and how much money government should raise and spend and where where government should get involved and where government shouldn't be involved in people's lives. Um, but we we have pretty good agreement on a lot of those things. Um and, uh, and the next big challenge is convincing people that we can make the climate changes in ways that won't be harmful to them in the short term. It won't cost them a lot of money and it'll, it'll make their lives actually healthier and more pleasant while we achieve what we have to do, which is reverse global warming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. i also like to take a bit of time to to reflect on career. Like, I, I, I'm curious that from you, like, what's something you've achieved as mayor that, that makes you proud?
1: I think that the thing that's probably the proudest is the our 100% carbon neutral electricity. We were one of the first cities in the world to achieve that in 2016. And that was a lot of work uh and it had big impacts beyond Palo Alto because all sorts of other cities said well if they could do that and they could do it without adding expense but they actually did it at lower cost than the big utilities then uh, why can't we do it and it inspired a lot of others at the same time in 2016 based on that achievement, we adopted uh what was then a, Uh, a real leading climate goal. It's to reduce our greenhouse gases by 80% compared to 1990 and do that by 2030. And so we call that our 80-30 goal and we adopted it. And it's now that's what set uh, the, the expectations for what we needed to do next on our climate plan that I was talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, and, and you've been an elected official for like over a decade. What, what have you learned from that experience?
1: Well, a lot of it um, is about learning how to get things done in government, in local government. And that's a combination of working with your colleagues, working with city staff, working with the community. and um, And really, part of that is uh, that last part of community members who have a voice and, and concerns about different issues and helping them understand how their voice can be more effective. That actually is important to us as selected officials, because if we just sit there on what's called the dais, the, the, where the council members sit and make decisions without really understanding well enough, the interests of the community, and and really uh, having the support of the community, we won't be as successful if we do that. Um, and so that's that's a big part of it. And then really being persuasive with um, uh, council member colleagues, because really in, in a lot of ways we debate issues. And if we're able to convince our our colleagues or sometimes just convince one or two of the seven to change their thinking then we get success
0: yeah yeah and and it's it's interesting you you've, you've lived in Palo Alto for for a long time and you've 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 served here too what's your favorite part of living in Palo Alto
1: i would say our open space parks and um, a foothills park and arastradero park and baylands preserve very few cities have such incredible open space, natural parks. And I, I guess another favorite thing is uh, being able to bike everywhere and uh, and bike to to places that feel what we call human scale, where you go to a downtown and it's not skyscrapers, but it's it's active. people are are engaging with each other and um it's it's a place where where people enjoy being and lastly i'd say are just incredible services uh to have things that that other communities aren't so fortunate to have of a of the a children's library and a children's museum and zoo um, an ice skating rink those incredible not only natural parks but the city parks five different libraries that we have and all the services that are provided those are really uh, incredible things for a city and we're very lucky to have them
0: mayor burt thank you so much for being here my final question for you today is that when you leave palo alto politics what do you want your legacy to be
1: i want To see our city on a path toward sustainability so that future generations are going to have an environment that is similar to what uh, was there in the past or better, that they'll continue to have uh, economic opportunities and that we'll have good social equity, meaning everybody has equal opportunities and rights to basic needs being met of food and housing and medical care and transportation. So that's that's what I think is sustainable, what we have to work hard to achieve and what I hope um, will be closer to when I leave office.
0: Mayor Burr, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you and learning so much.
1: Well, thank you, Charlie. Uh, I'm really uh, pleased to be able to Uh, to talk with you because your audience matters so much. Kids your age, getting involved and caring about these kinds of things is so important because you're the ones who are going to be the next leaders. And I'm really uh, pleased that you're doing this podcast and that you invited me. Thank you.